Hey everybody and welcome back to Steve's NRL Footy Tips for Round 2. I'm your host, Stephen Westway, joining you every Tuesday afternoon with my preview for the upcoming round, which this week happens to be Round 2. But Round 1, it delivered in terms of a spectacle, and it was a great way to start the season. There was a lot of teams that came out to make a statement in a big way. Newcastle and Brisbane, they were heavily favoured to lose their matches against the Roosters and Rabbitohs respectively, and they came out and made that statement to say that they can potentially be top eight contenders. You saw Penrith against Manly. They were absolutely dominant in that victory. Sean O'Sullivan, what a performance from him. The the halfback that's been kind of been podding his trade for a few years, and he came in and did a real good job for the Penrith Panthers. Isaiah Yo was a great link man to him and Luai, and the Fords just really dominated Manly. For me, the Penrith Panthers were the most impressive team in round one. As I said, so the New Knights and the Broncos, both very impressive. Some teams were disappointing. Teams like the Rabbitohs, the Roosters, Parramatta have a bit to work on despite the win. And obviously, uh, for the Bulldogs and Cowboys, round one ended in a little bit of a dire affair. But we're going to preview all the action for round two today. Before I get to that, I just want to reveal my team of the week for round one, and at fullback, it was hard to go past Dylan Edwards. I mean, he made upwards of 300 metres on the weekend, and it was a really solid performance, uh, and he, he looks fully fit, which he didn't throughout the course of the final series last year when he, he still won a premiership, and still it was inspirational at the back, and it's really helped his confidence, and his game's grown to another level in 2022. My wingers, the debutant Sean Russell on the wing there for the Eels. He scored three tries before being... Rushed to hospital with that punctured lung. He's going to be out indefinitely, but it was a great performance out there on the wing to start his career. Sean Russell there for the Eels. My other wingers, Michaeli Ravalala. He made a few errors and a few defensive lapses, but three tries to the Dragons uh, when they needed him. He's a really good finisher, one of the best in the game, and it looks like it could be a really good season for Michaeli Ravalala. He's just got to fix up a little bit of those defensive lapses that he's got there. In the centres, Dane Gagai, he made a huge impact on the game there. At Newcastle against the Roosters, he was probably the best on field in my opinion. Um, scoring tries, setting up tries, it was a really dominant display by Dane Gagai, who you know that those years at South Sydney and and the years in the Queensland system have helped mature him and develop him as a consistent first grade footballer week in and week out, which is what Newcastle need if they're going to be successful in 2022. And I put Ken Mamalo as the other centre now. I know that he plays wing, but I thought he had a Great game out there for the Tigers. It was a pinpoint kick for one of his tries from Luke Brooks, but I was just really impressed um, with Mamalo. Considering not many people were talking about him in the offseason, obviously a couple of years ago he transferred from the Tigers, uh, sorry, from the Warriors system, and you know he was an established winger there for a, a number of years, and he didn't have his best 2021, but a great start to the season with two tries, Ken Mamalo. In the halves, I put Jack Wyden. For me, he was the difference maker in that game against Cronulla last Friday night. Um, he scored a try himself, set some other ones up, and out of all the Raiders players, he was the one that was looking the most likely to get the Raiders over the line. At halfback, I've got Jerome Hughes, and uh, Melbourne, they were in a bit of a hole into the second half. Jerome Hughes took matters into his own hands and um, scored that solo try. The Tigers were all over them in that game of football. Jerome Hughes stepped up multiple times and, and led the Storm uh, to win that game. In my forward pack, I went Patrick Carrigan and Payne Huss. As the props, these two players were just inspirational for the Broncos. I thought that Carrigan, for a man that has been out for injury from ACL injury for a significant amount of time, when he came on the field, he, uh, well, when he started the game and every run that he had 
was uh, really inspirational for that Broncos forward pack. He seems like he's going to be in for a huge season. And Payne Haas just led from the front as always. Um, him and him and Carrigan and and Kurt Cape, while the new signing there for the Broncos is going to be crucial for their success in 2022. Blake Braley from Cronulla is my hooker of the week. I think that it was either out of him and Abby Corusian. Damien Cook was really good in the losing side as well for CF Sydney, but. Blake Braley, it was a good try from dummy half room. He made plenty of tackles, and I think that Hines and Moylan struggled at times, which we'll talk about in the Sharks match preview this weekend. Um, with their game management skills, they had some moments of brilliance and others that, you know, I'm, I wasn't entirely convinced of them by them, but Blake Braley and Will Kennedy um, as the fullback and the hooker really stepped up, and they were the experienced heads there in that uh in that spine that had played together for a few seasons, and they were a bit of a difference maker on Friday night. They couldn't get the win, Cronulla, but Braley and, and Will Kennedy helped them get close. Um, in the forward pack, in the second row, I've got Tom Gilbert, who came, I think he was a late starter for the Cowboys on Sunday night, and he was the inspirational, I think 170 metres, a very good try, and he just looked, uh, and he just ran the ball in 10 every time he got it, and he just looked dangerous throughout the whole night. Josh Curran from the Warriors is my other second rower, um, Another in a losing effort, but I think that Curran, 40-plus tackles, um, set up a try. He was he was really good, Curran, and I think easily the best Warriors player on the field. Isaiah Yo, I mentioned he was the link man for that Penrith victory. I think he thought he was outstanding for Pan- the Penrith Panthers, and he is my locking on the bench, the Sean O'Sullivan, who's, who did a great job for Penrith on uh, on Thursday night. Tyrone Slow was great for the Dragons. I think that he probably was the Dragons' best player, um, and... Two try assists, 100 metres. I think that he's very valuable uh, for the chances that St. George have this season. Jake Clifford went so much better than I thought he would for the Knights and scored a well-deserved try near the end of that game. And was one of their main reasons that they won that game, uh, Jake Clifford. So he gets a bench spot. Mitchell Moses, three try assists on the weekend. Controlled Parramatta well, despite the fact that they were all over the place defensively, and they end up getting the two points. So I put Mitchell Moses as my final player on the bench. But that was Steve's NRL Team of the Week for Round 1. Let's get into the action uh, for Round 2. But before we do so, if you haven't, please like Steve's NRL Footy Tips to stay notified of all the updates for the show. I'll be dropping these episodes about 5.30 to 6 p.m. every Tuesday afternoon. So check those episodes out as they drop. And like the podcast, wherever you guys listen to your favorite podcast each and every week, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, sorry, Anchor, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast each and every week. All right, we've got a huge game to start round two, and um, it doesn't get any bigger. Um, down there in Melbourne, it's the Melbourne Storm taking on the South Sydney Rabbitohs on Thursday night. Let's get to it. So on Thursday night, the Melbourne Storm will host the South City Rabbitohs from Amy Park down there in Melbourne. But before we get to that, I'm going to give you my first classic match rewatch. And I really struggled because what I'm going to be doing every two weeks is watching a match and looking back in time and just seeing, you know, how the game's evolved and kind of talk up the rivalry between two teams that are playing that weekend and... I struggled to find something that I wanted to cover that was early in the year, and uh, it actually came to me from the NRL YouTube. I was looking through the classic matches on KO. There wasn't a huge selection, so what I've done is I've watched a game on the NRL YouTube. They posted a few during the COVID lockdown. This one took place in round 23 back in 2010, and it was the Melbourne Storm who had been stripped of their two premierships in 2007 and 2009 after round 5 this year, going into the round 6 match, and 
Um, you know, they were four from five. They'd beaten the Dragons that year, who went on to win the Premiership, but they'd beaten them before they could stop playing from for points because of the strip. So they had to play the rest of the season knowing they were destined to uh, finish the, on the ladder in last place, and they couldn't play for anything just for pride. They uh, they were traveling along all right, but they were trying a bunch of stuff and, and, and trying some different moves. So they versed the Rabbitohs side that were buying for a top eight spot. They were in ninth at that point of the season, and they had to win to get into the top eight. So I watched this classic match, and... You know, there's a couple of things that came out to me, and, it, and the reason why I'm watching this one in particular is because, and we'll get into it in a minute when I preview the match, is that the Melbourne Storm have an unbelievable record in Melbourne, 17-0 and against the CR Sydney Rabbitohs. The Rabbitohs have never won a match, any match at all, in Melbourne. I don't think they've even won a match before in the state of Victoria. So it's a huge streak. It's the biggest in the NRL. I'm actually comparing it to the Undertaker's WWE undefeated streak for you wrestling fans out there. He went 21-0 before losing to Brock Lesnar, and it was 21-1. to But So I've gone back and watched this classic match, and it was one of the early matches of the 17-0 streak. And, uh, you know, the Storm were... The star started lineup. They had the big four uh, of Slater, Kronk, Smith, and Inglis playing. Hoffman, Ryan, Hinchcliffe. This was going to be the last year they played together because the cap had seen that they had to get a, rid of a few, and obviously guys like Hoffman and... And uh, Greg Inglis had to lead the club, and so did Ryan Hinchcliffe eventually. But uh, the Rabbitohs, they came to this game with a lot of pressure, and uh, they scored early through uh, Luke Capewell. And it was interesting to see that, considering he never really made his mark in the NRL. He was partnering with Chris Sandow after a season-ending injury, injury to John Sutton. Um, so they went in 4-0 early CFs. The Storm came back with two tries to Ryan Hinchcliffe. The halftime score, I believe, was 12-4, uh, to 4, and... Billy Slater got one as well. So, really, uh, the the final score was eighteen to sixteen. The rain was pouring down. The Rabbitohs were eighteen to four down. They ended up coming a late comeback. It was eighteen sixteen. The game was on the line. The Rabbitohs season was on the line. They couldn't get it done. But Billy Slater in that game was outstanding, and he proved why he was the best player in the game at the time. I mean, I think a lot of these a lot of younger fans now don't know that a young Billy Slater. He was great near the end of his career as well. But I think out of the, all the big three between Cronk. Slater and Smith, uh, that Slater was the one with the most natural talent, and obviously Cronk won more premierships, Smith won the, uh, Smith played the most games of all time, and probably one of the most, if not the most influential player of all time, but Billy Slater in his prime was on another level. Reese Westwell was playing for CS Sydney, he was a standout, Nathan Merritt had some really good defense in this game, which wasn't really a key of his game, but he also scored his 99th and 100 tries to get CS back in the game, and um, you know, it wasn't to be for South Sydney, but it was kind of a transition period that uh, their coach, John Lang, who coached them in the 2010 and 2011 season before retiring, the premiership winning uh, John Lang, um, he had the Rabbitohs in a transition period because it was Sam Burgess's first year in the NRL. They had Sutton and Isaac Luke and some of these young guys on board, but you also had some of the old guard, guys like Roy Azatazi and Michael Croker, and they were trying to make the club more legitimate. Now, if you... Go 12 years later, and it's this round two right now, the 2022 Telstra Premiership season. Souths find themselves in a similar situation, a little bit of a transition period away from the Wayne Bennett era that ended last year. Reynolds is gone. They really struggled in round one, which we'll cover momentarily. But it's going to be interesting to see um, if they can get back to that elite level, Souths, after a poor start to the season. And um, it, it just it's, it was a throwback to an earlier time where CFs, uh, they, they were getting there, but they weren't quite a heavyweight of the NRL again after, you know, getting kicked out of the comp in 99 and, and having to go to court to get back in 2002. 
For Melbourne, as I said, Slater was unreal. Cronk and Smith worked their magic. Um, Smith had a little bit of a quieter game than the other two, but uh, they weren't playing points. They were playing pride. They were kicking early in the tap count, sometimes kicking for their wingers on, on game one. So they are really playing with no fear and you know a little bit loose with the football, which we don't see from many, many Craig Bellamy sides today. But, uh, you know... It just shows you the the evolution of the storm. After this big salary cap scandal, they managed to come back, win another three premierships. And this weekend, they have a situation which isn't as dire, obviously, as the 2010 situation. But they find themselves now without Christian Welsh for the season, um, George Jennings for the season, and Brendan Smith, the cheese, has broken his arm, and he'll be out for five to six weeks. And it'll be interesting to see how they respond against South Sydney. Saying that, it was a really entertaining game to watch. If you want to check it out, it's on the NRL YouTube page. See us versus the Rabbitohs from round three, uh, round 23, 2010. Um, the Rabbitohs went on to come ninth that year. They needed to beat the Dragons in the final round in round 26 to make the finals. Dragons uh, beat them for a Ben Cray hat-trick in the first 20 to 30 minutes of that game. And CFs wouldn't make the finals until 2012. The Storm um, won two out of three to end their season as well. So... Um, you know, the Rabbitohs, they, they were in contention that wasn't being in 2010. And um, as I said, both teams are in. I've uh, got some issues heading into round two. And let's get to the action right now. Right now. That is my first match review, match classic review um, on Steve's NRL footy tips. And now let's get to the round two footy tips with the Storm versus the Rabbitohs. And that's right, the Rabbitohs versus the Storm from Amy Park. And as I said, see us. Um, we'll start with them. We'll start with the away team. And. Round one, it was a very disappointing effort. I mean, um, what is there to say about South Sydney's round one? They looked directionless. They lacked that game management that Adam Reynolds displayed. And, you know, they started the game off okay, South Sydney, until the intercept try from Albert Kelly. Cody Walker threw an identical one in the 2021 green final. And you can still see he's got demons from that. But uh, as the game kind of progressed, you saw Cody Walker get more and more frustrated um, trying to control the game. That left-handed defense of the Broncos was relentless, and they played really well, but really the game was South Sydney's to win. Um, of course, they end up losing 11-4 after a Kurt Capewell field goal, but really, when the defense was still pretty solid, apart from some lapses from the outside backs, which is concerning. Mansell and Joseph Paulo um, both had some poor reads, and Mansell's been dropped this week in retaliation to that. Um... But yeah, Cody Walker tried to game manage it because he had to. He had to do most of the kicking game. Lachlan Ilias owning his third NRL game. He, he failed to control the game. And I think that's what CS has to look for. Now, Tafty out for another three to four weeks. Is Ilias the long-term option for CS Sydney? Well, in the meantime, he is. And they need to find a way to um, fix their attack of worries because they only scored one try and... Um, you don't want Cody Walker to be that game management, which he was trying to be on the weekend, and we saw him getting frustrated because, you know, he relishes in opportunities, um, you know, when when big games are on the line, and sometimes he gets it wrong, sometimes he gets it right, Cody Walker, but he is at his best when he's at his creative best and don't have to worry about, you know, kicking the, the team out of trouble. He can just play his natural running game, um and weave the team around there where you've got an organiser in the opposite half's number, and that's what Lachlan Ilias needs to be. I think he had a decent game there at the number seven, but he's only young, he's still maturing, and whether he's going to be the long-term option for 2022 remains to be seen, in my opinion. He didn't do enough to convince me um, that he has that game management in him. He needs to take more responsibility 
off Cody Walker's shoulder and just let Cody Walker play his natural game. And it's a big week for Lachlan Lilius because there was points in that game where the forward pack didn't know what to do. And as a South Sydney fan, I found myself getting very, very frustrated watching them attack on Friday night. It was extremely disappointing and I'm hoping for better in round two. They are welcomed back by the return of Latrell Mitchell, South Sydney. And he's going to add some much-needed uh, explosiveness and, and, and someone to kind of be another option where they can turn to because Cook um, and Walker were trying to control the game and it just didn't work and the forwards didn't know where they were supposed to stand. It was all off for CR Sydney. It was extremely clunky and it wasn't very well organised. And obviously Mitchell's going to come this season with a point to prove. He obviously got suspension, uh, suspended for a significant amount of time when Joey Manu missed the grand final. He could have been the difference in the grand final if Latrell had played in that game. So I think I'm expecting a big game from Latrell and Mitchell, but it's no easy task. They're going up against the Melbourne team that they were down and out early in that game against the Tigers. The Tigers really took them to the sword and the Storm came back like the Storm usually do and it was a really solid effort to get back up. It wasn't a great performance by any means, but they got over the line. Jerome Hughes was fantastic um, in the second half out of uh, out of you know taking the line on himself and scoring a great try to really controlling the team and making opportunities happen in the middle of the field when those Tiger forwards got tied. Um, so I think that the Storm are going to be up for this challenge. They welcome back Jesse Bromwich, Cameron Munster, um, Harry Grant, all guys that are going to give him much more much-needed troops after their season-ending injuries, as I mentioned, to Welsh and um, George Jennings. And... Uh, and the cheese uh, is out for five weeks as well. So Tyrone Richard will start um, on the interchange bench like he did last week. He won't play as much time as he did last week. I think he did a good job there. Um, he is a spitting image of his father, Rod. And Larimer will cover George Jennings' wing. So it'll be interesting to see how Melbourne go this week. But by all means, I think this should be built up as Cameron Munster versus Latrell Mitchell because those two players are going to make such a profound difference on this game of football than we would have seen last week. And I think they're both going to help their sides immensely. For Seas, as I mentioned, it's all about finding life after Bennett and Reynolds and Gagai. They need to get that left-hand side back to what it was. But I think for Cody Walker to be at his most successful, he's got to roam both sides of the field. And we'll see how they go this weekend uh, with Ilias hopefully taking more control of the kicking game. If not Ilias, then someone else needs to step up and help me out a little while, a little bit as well other than Cody Walker, even if it is Latrell Mitchell. So um, I think Latrell's going to give more time for Cody in attack and give another option for Cody, um, which might be the spark that Cody needs to play his best brand of football come the weekend. And for Melbourne, Munster... Apparently, he's been training in the house down. Apparently, he's matured 10, year, 10 years in, in a couple of months during that offseason. I think that he's really going to lead this team by example. I think that him and Paberhouse and Hughes are really going to control the tempo. And with all these injuries, you just think, well, will the Storm be a force um, in 2022? Well, you just look at the team they're still presenting. Their spine is still Paberhouse and Munster, Hughes, and Harry Grant. How can you bet against that? And you look at the rest of their forward pack, guys like... Felix Cafusi and the Bromwich brothers, they've still got plenty left in the tank to storm, and they're going to be very hard to beat. It's going to be hard for South Sydney to break the streak of 7-0 in Melbourne, and I just don't think they can do it here this week. I don't think they have much mo- uh, enough momentum behind them to overcome that hurdle, and obviously it was a poor start to the year for them. CS have a, such a tough run coming up. they got Melbourne... Followed by the Roosters, followed by Penrith, and it's really going to be free walls that they've got to prepare themselves for to get through those free matches and try to build a season. If they can win one of those free, I think it would be a success for South Sydney. But I don't think they're going to, in a mindset at the moment to go down to Melbourne and, and and upset them. And I actually was a little bit concerned 
by Jason Demetrio. And again, it's only his first game as head coach other than the two that he coached when Wayne Bennett had the COVID incident a couple of years back. But um, Demetrio seems like, um, you know, that Seas kind of had to go back to the drawing board. Kim Murray said as much in that post-press conference. And he said, there's no point worrying about Reynolds because he's not here. But for me, Jason Demetrio has got to take control of his team this week and really just look at certain aspects of the game and see how their attack broke down because they need to fix it as soon as possible. And if they don't show improvement this week, well, I think they're going to struggle to score any points against the Melbourne Storm. And the Storm, they were clunky, as I mentioned as well last week. But all those troops coming back on board, Bellamy wouldn't have been happy with the performance. And you very rarely see two poor performances by Melbourne in a row, and especially a Melbourne Storm team at home. They're almost unbeatable. They've got a 7-0 record against CRC in Melbourne. I think Melbourne will be way too good in this game. I've got the Storm by 18 points against the Rabbitohs to start round two. Friday Night Football kicks off from 6pm and Estrada's Jubilee Stadium up there in Cogra when the St. George or Dragons are at home for the first time this season and they're hosting the Penrith Panthers who were dominant against Manly to start the season. Both teams coming off a round one victory um, for the Dragons. I thought they were pretty solid against the Warriors and they really started the game off with a lot of intensity that we did not see at the back end of 2021. I thought their forward pack really got over the top of the Warriors early, which um, is no easy task considering the Warriors have such a big forward pack and they come out full of energy every week. But I thought the Dragons, uh, guys like Sua, DeBellin and Bird made a statement early and um, got the Dragons on the right foot. And then Ben Hunt um, and his game management really helped them get in the position to score points early. Tyrell Sloan was fantastic at fullback. Um, and things were all looking good for St. George up 12-0, and then the wheels kind of fell off for a little bit. The Warriors got back into the game. The Warriors took a lead, and it looked like almost that the Dragons um, kind of ran out of steam and, you know, were looking more like the Dragons that we saw after the barbecue incident at the back end of last season. Uh, but they managed to regain their composure and, and, and get the two points, which is what you want to see for the start of the year. Anthony Griffin would know there's plenty of improvement left in this team. I thought guys like Suli uh, was solid in his first match in the club, and I thought Amone um, did his job without being spectacular in the 5-8 position. But the young guys that they had, um, they're going to take this experience and build it, and hopefully St. George can really kickstart their 2022 and have a good performance against the Premiers that... Uh, the Panthers, they started on fire uh, on last Thursday night, and a lot of pundits predicted Manly, with Tommy Turbo and um, full of confidence, might actually take the sword to a, a Nathan Cleary less Penrith Panthers side last week. But what happened was Sean O'Sullivan came in, he played it, a big part of this Penrith Panthers win, but the forward pack really dominated uh, Manly's. They got over the top of him earlier. Isaiah Yo was outstanding, so was James Fisher Harris, and Billy Army Kikia might have been one of the best players out there on Thursday night. But, um, yeah, from the get-go, they were just dominant. That speed in that game between Manly and Penrith last Thursday night, it was such played at such a frantic pace. And the difference was that Penrith could maintain it while Manly kind of uh, dropped away after 10 to 15 minutes. And that's big concerns there for Manly because they just were not able um, to match Penrith at all in that regard in terms of fatigue and endurance. Uh, Manly just... We're not up to the challenge, and it's going to be a challenge for St. George to uh, start with that intensity but maintain it for 80 minutes because Penrith are relentless. They just keep coming at you, um, 
And one thing that I really have enjoyed about Penrith since they have been on this, you know, heavyweight stretch since the beginning of 2020 is that they win games through their defence, but then they can be so electric and attack at the same time that it's just end-to-end excitement whenever you watch this Penrith Panthers team play. And I thought that Luai had his best game in a significant um, number of matches for Penrith. Um, I think that he was... A little bit quiet in the back end of last year, but he played his role to perfection. Kick out was fantastic. Dylan Edwards over 300 metres. It was just a very impressive performance against the Premiers um, that, you know, are looking for every week because you know that the best teams are going to come and and gun to to beat you, and they're going to have to really turn up each week for each other if they're going to have a chance of going back-to-back. But I think that out of all the teams we've seen in the last 10 years, that Penrith might have the best shot at doing it, apart from the Roosters that obviously did it in 2018 and 19. The way that Penrith have started is enormous. It's just whether they can keep that momentum for the whole 25 rounds and then follow it into the finals at the back end of the season. But I think this game is actually going to be a really good game of football come 6 o'clock on Friday night. I think Dragons are up for the challenge early. I think they will be... um, they will be looking to cause a little bit of a stir and upsetting Penrith. I think you kind of have to upset Penrith and pull them off their natural game if you're any chance. And I think that the Dragons forward pack will be more up for the task um, than they even were last week when they got over the top of the Warriors early. They've named George Burgess um, from the bench to start this one as well and make his club debut and play his first game of football in the NRL for a significant amount of time. But they're going to need him because, as I mentioned, those all the Penrith powerhouse players in that forward pack, they're going to be... Um, looking to back up last week's performance. I think Penrith will be too strong on on the back of that forward pack. Um, I just don't know if St. George can maintain them throughout 80 minutes, and I think that they could open up some space for the middle. They seem to get fatigued easily um, after that 20-minute mark last week, St. George, and that's where their bench plays a key role. Guys like Kerr, Gwiaski, and Burgess, they need to come on with plenty of energy and try to just upset Penrith any way they can. I think that it will be close for the first 20 to 30 minutes, but then I think after that, Penrith will begin to pull away and show a little bit more class than a Dragons team that's still learning how to win, and I think that they're on the up and up, the Dragons. I was impressed by that first 20 minutes last week. They just had to play a consistent brand of football for 80 minutes, and I don't know if the Dragons have got them in them got that in them at the moment. I've got the Penrithers winning this one by 14 to open Friday Night Football. And Friday Night Football continues up there at the Sydney Cricket Ground when the Sydney Roosters host the Manly Seagulls. And both of these teams coming off round one losses. I forgot to mention at the start of the show that I did get six out of eight round one um, for my footy tips, which I'm pretty happy about. I thought I was on track for a perfect round, and a lot of people went worse. So hopefully the rest of the season's stronger. But the Rabbitohs and Roosters were the two that let me down. And the Roosters in particular, last Saturday afternoon, I thought they were going to come out and trounce the Knights. I thought that it'd be... Light work for them, but we saw the opposite. We saw a Newcastle forward pack that really came out strong, and the Knights had so many question marks around them at the beginning of the season and where they were going to finish, and Adam and Brian was under pressure. Will Kalen and Ponga stay at the club, but they answered all critics with a dominant performance. Um, their hearts really stu- stood up, Clune and Clifford, but that forward pack, led by Barnett, Frizzell, and Kurt Mean, in a lock of all people, really made a difference and really put the Roosters off their game early. I mean, that once that Tedesco... Try got disallowed early in the game. The Roosters kind of just put their head down and went into their shells a little bit. They made a lot of unforced errors, which put a lot of pressure on Keary and Walker, who couldn't play their natural game. They looked clunky and disjointed, and um, the combination didn't really flow very well. And they struggled to fire a shot, the Roosters, just like Manly, who last Thursday night, they went into that game full of Penrith, uh, against Penrith full of plenty of confidence. I mean, they had Tommy back on board. They pretty much had a full-strength 
side uh, without just without Schuster and Dylan Walker, but Penrith going in there without Cleary. A lot of people thought they wouldn't win, but uh, mainly just failed to fire a shot. I mean, they stayed with the pace of, of Penrith early in the game, but they seemed to be very hurried and and not really confident with the football in hand and attacking Penrith's line, and then just fell away. The defence wasn't up for it for the long haul. I mean, Jake Zorovich tried his best, 56 tackles, but they um, they didn't look confident with the footy, and they really got dominated through the middle of the field, and Foran and Sherry Evans couldn't have any real impact on the game, and Tommy failed to get involved as well. And it's almost like if Tommy doesn't get involved in the footy game, that merely don't know what to do. It's kind of like under eights out there, where they just like pass it to Tommy and expect things to happen. No, you've got to commit and compete for each individual player of the game. And I think that, I know that Manly have a very poor record in round one fixtures, but just like the Roosters do, but man, you'd be hoping for a better start. And this is why I had them finish seventh in the ladder. Now they could finish much higher than that. They can still win the comp, the Manly Seagulls, but I was just not impressed at all by what I saw last Thursday night. And they've got to fix it this week. And so do the Roosters. So they're going to have two teams that, you know, I wouldn't say are desperate because it's only round two of the competition, but two teams that need some confidence um, and need to improve after a disastrous week one for both of them. So it's going to be an intense battle up there at the Sydney Cricket Ground. I don't expect much, many points to be scored. I mean, both teams are named almost an identical side. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I mean, it's going to be an interesting battle up again at the Ford Pack and Manly have been accused by myself and others, including Ryan Gould at the back end of last year, of being flat-track bullies where they can only beat the sides that are lower than them on the ladder and sides that aren't real contenders for the Premiership. I think the Roosters are, are going to be fuming after what last week's loss. I mean, they're my predicted Premiers, the Roosters. I think their Ford Pack's really going to aim up and I don't know if I can say the same against me about Manly. I feel like... There's some guys that are working their backsides off, guys like Olukowatu and, and Jake Sarojevic out there, and then there's some guys that seem to drop off, and there's a lot of space in the middle of the field uh, for opposition to expose, like we saw at Penrith last uh, last Thursday night. Their halves need to be better. I don't think Four and Terry Evans had their best game last week, and they need to find a way to involve Tommy in the game more. I mean... It seemed like Penrith knew how to shut him down. They really put numbers around him every time he got the ball. But I just think Tommy's got to roam both sides of the field and just look for any opportunity. Um, he'll get that confidence back. The whole Manly side will when Tommy starts to fire. But if you're going to go those one out and do the same plays over and over again, Tommy's just going to become a battering around at Ram. And um, you're not going to get any momentum through him. And the rest of the team need to step up and make it easier so Tommy can just set about doing his job and uh, making a difference. But it'll be an interesting battle between Trojevich and Tedesco, the two best uh, fullbacks in the game. It always is a competitive battle when those two come together. Both players will be looking to have better weeks, and uh, it'll be an interesting battle. Um, as I mentioned, up front, those forward packs, but also the halves. I mean, Walker, Keary versus Foran and Sherry Evans. You've got the two experienced heads versus two guys that have barely played any football together at all. And we know that Keary's a proven match winner, but I think that uh, they just need to get back to the basics, Roosters. Complete their sets, stop making so many unforced errors, and I think that they can win this game of football. Um, they just have to show a little bit of class, a little bit of composure, and a little bit more game management, which they, they liked last weekend. But I've got the Roosters in this game by four points, but I think it's going to be a pretty dour affair there at the Sydney Cricket Ground. I don't think there's going to be too many points scored in this game. I think the Roosters are more likely to score more points than Manly, but I don't know how many they're going to f- score. I think I'm expecting this one to be an 18-6, type scoreline. I think it will go the Roosters' way. I've got the Roosters by 16 in this game, and I think that um, I just think that Manly at the moment 
have to go to other plans when plan A, which is Pastor Tommy, is the best that you guys, that Manly, are offering. They need to improve it week in and week out and remain competitive against some of these teams. Otherwise, they're going to be kept, to get, kept getting accused of being flat-track bullies until they fix the problem there, until they get all guys committed and, um, you know, and get that defense tightened up around the middle of the field. So I've got the Roosters by 16 in this Friday night encounter. It's time for my favorite time of the week, Super Saturday, and I'm excited to kick this one off. As you've seen, I've predicted some blowouts to start round two, but I think that's going to change with a big Super Saturday. And the action kicks off from 3 p.m. up there at Seabus Super Stadium at Rabina when the Gold Coast Titans host the New Zealand Warriors. Both these teams coming off a round one loss. Both will be desperate to get a win on the board. And the Warriors, they suffered some bad news this week when um, Sean Johnson got ruled out of an MCL injury. Also, their young player in Velia, um, similar situation. He's going to be out for a few weeks. And Dallin Watine Zelesniak's got an injury as well that could keep him out long term. They are welcomed by the return of Walsh and Matt Lodge, which will give them um, some experience there, especially with Matt Lodge in the forward pack. And you've got that explosiveness of Walsh that comes back in the fullback spot. The halves this week will be Harris Tavita and Ash Taylor. So they're going for a bit of a different makeup this week. And it's going to be interesting to see how they respond because they were in the game last week up to the dying moments against the St. George Order Dragons. But they had a lead early in that second half. They just couldn't keep that composure and get the job done. They're versing a Gold Coast Titans team that will feel very unlucky not to get the win last week against the Eels in that, I believe it was 32-18 to victory by Parramatta. Some timely penalties to Parramatta got them over the line. And um, I was really impressed by what I saw in attack from the Titans, but their defense is all over the place. They're leaking soft tries, and for such a defensive coach in Justin Holbrook, he's going to be really disappointed um, by that defensive effort from his club. They do welcome AJ Brimson back this week. He's going to slot into the 5-8 position that he was set to start the season in until uh, a late injury ruled him out last week. So that means that Will Smith, who did an admiral job there at 5-8, goes back to the bench, and Tanner Boyd goes back to become the 18th man. But otherwise, they're pretty unchanged as well. And as I said, I really liked the style of football that the Titans are playing when they had the footy in the hand last week. But they really got to tighten up their fence. And that's when, you know, I've mentioned it so many times. We all know what Fafita can do with the football in hands. And guys like um, Moa Fodawake, it's just a a machine in terms of making meters, and Big Tino does his job well, but those forwards have to really tighten up their defense in the middle because um, teams are just steamrolling and making way too many meters. Parramatta were making 60, 70 meters a set at times uh, last Sunday, um, and their edge defense is really poor as well. Guys like uh, Semi and, and Herbert making poor defensive decisions out there. They need to tighten it up. They need to improve. It's only the first game of the year. People are going to be uh, you know rusty. But overall, there's positive signs there for the Gold Coast Titans. Campbell was great again at fullback. I thought the Sexton did his job really well. And Will Smith was dynamic coming in to replace Brimson last minute. So it'll be interesting to see how the halves go this week. Um, Their spines are very inexperienced. But um, this Warriors team's not going to be a pushover because, as I mentioned, they get some recruits back this week. They're a hardened football team. And I expect they're going to compete for the 80 minutes. I think Gold Coast can get the job done, though, this week. I think that the Warriors are very inconsistent in terms of their defense as well as the Titans. I think we're going to have a lot of points scored in this matchup, but I think if it comes to a shootout in terms of scoring points, I just think the Titans have more attackive flair, and I don't know if the Warriors will be able to hold out um, this much attackive talent for 80 minutes. I think Fafita will have a really good game. I think Brimson will have a promising start to his 5 8 career, but I think Jaden Campbell will be the man to match it. I'm really liking the courage and determination he is showing to compete on every play. 
that the Titans make in both attack and defense. So I've got the Titans in this game by 10 points, but I think it's going to be a highly entertaining start to Super Saturday, and I think there's going to be plenty of points in it. So the Titans by 10 for me. The second game of Super Saturday shapes up to be one of the games of the round when Cronulla returned to Point Bet Stadium for the first time in two seasons in their first home game of the season to host the Parramatta Eels, both having different weeks in round one. Parramatta were an attacking powerhouse, but the defense led a lot to be desired, and I think Brad Arthur was filthy about his team's defensive performance, but happy to get the two points at the end of the day in a, in a tough round one encounter. For Cronulla, it didn't quite go their way. They were in that game up to the eyeballs last weekend against the Canberra Raiders, and they were in a position to win it at certain points in the game. A great field goal by Matty Moyland. Um, it looked like it was going to be the game for Cronulla, but the Raiders kept turning up, and they end up uh, taking the win late for a try by Hudson Young. So a missed opportunity there for the Sharks, but Craig Fitzgibbon wasn't allowed to be in the game last week due to COVID protocol, and he was my player profile. So let's hope next week when I do my next, next player profile, I'm not jinxing them, but he'll be back on board this week and be able to be in the same room as his players and coach them throughout the game. And um, I think that that's going to make a difference to this Cronulla side. I wasn't too impressed by the combination of Hines and Moylan. I think they, at points, like Hines in late in that second half, put a great kick in and put the Raiders under immense pressure. But uh, overall, I just feel like Matty Moylan's a running 5-8, and I think that Nico Hines is more of a running halfback as well. I really question his game management, and I feel like he's got a good kicking game on him, but I think he should be the support man in terms of kicking and game management and just allow him to play his natural football, kind of like a Cody Walker so I really question whether Matty Moylan is going to be a um, a proper long-term half-partner for him. And I expect someone like Trindle could come into uh, calculations a little bit later on because I think that what Trindle has is a level head on his shoulder where he can really pinpoint um, where he wants to control the game and that, and that kicking game and his accuracy in general play. It would make a significant difference to this Cronulla side. And especially considering they still have McInnes out, I think he'll help him when he returns as well. He's been named in the 19 jersey this week. But um, it's very exciting to see this new Cronulla team all come together. And I was happy with parts of their performance last week. But I feel like that game management area is letting them down this, uh, so far this season and let them down last week. And um, they're going to have to be better against the Parramatta Eels side because if one thing they don't lack, it's game management. I thought Mitchell Moses was outstanding last week. Free try assist. Guffo got involved when he could, and, um, you know, it was that type of game where there was all points and no defense, and Brad Arthur's going to need the Eels to tighten that defensive uh, you know, pressure up for the rest of the season. They really built their last couple of seasons where they went 9 out of 10 games at the start of last year on their defensive effort, and Arthur will really be instilling that defensive uh, nature into the Eels this week, and it's going to be a big battle of the forward pack. I mean, Gillard and... And Paulo and Co are going to be versing a, a forward pack led by the Cronulla new leader in Dale Finucane. He was outstanding in his first game for Cronulla last week. And he's going to have to lead the forward pack with the likes of Wilton and Nakora and Rudolph and Hamlin and Ueli just really leading forward. Because I think the Eels have got one of the most dangerous forward packs in the competition. And the Eels are going to have to be the best to shut them down and try to get some early momentum. Because we know how quick Paramatic can score points. We saw how quick they scored points last weekend, and it's just whether this brute kind of defensive effort by Cronulla are going to hold up, and they're going to be able to do it Titans last week and score plenty of points of their own, but I think it's going to be a really high-quality match. I think it really could go either way, but I just feel like the Eels are onto something special this year, and it wasn't the performance that convinced me last week, but 
just everything I'm seeing from them. I think Moses has got a newfound confidence. I like what Guffo's doing. I think they're forward back strong. I've got the Eels by eight points in this game, and I think it's uh, going to be competitive throughout, but the Eels are just going to have too much for a tired Cronulla forward back and find points near the end of the game. So I've got the Eels by eight points in this one. All right, looks like it's going to be a longer show this week, so I'm going to fly through the rest of these matches, and Super Saturday will end... Uh, at the Queensland Country Bank Stadium up there at 7.35pm when the Cowboys take on the Canberra Raiders. The Cowboys were unlucky not to win on Sunday night. It was a tough game and they really had the opportunities to ice the game and they had a disallowed try taken away from them. But overall, it was a uh, a disappointing start to the season for the Cowboys. I, I predicted them to be my wooden spooners and you know they showed some fight and they showed some real character in that game to to uh, keep the Bulldogs a one try, but at the end of the day, it was a game they probably should have won, and they let it slide. They're versing a Raiders team that started the season off really well last week. I thought Brad Snyder was a standout for the Raiders, and I thought that the young guys really did a great job, and Jack Wyden seems to be getting back to his 2019 and 2020 form that saw him probably be the game's best 5-8 in those seasons, and he was really the different maker out in the field, if you ask me. He was making things happen every time he touched the football. He scored a great individual try, and he was looking the most likely out of that Raiders side. But the Raiders fell into the same problem they had all season last year, and they took an early lead. But come the middle of the game, they just could not um, you know, keep that momentum that got them in the lead in the first place. They really dropped off. Their defense kind of fell away, and they let the Sharks get back into the lead until a late try by Hudson Young really sealed that victory for the Raiders. So Ricky's not going to be too happy um, with that middle period of the game for him, but he would be happy enough to get those two points and take that win to start their season. And I think both teams are going to be looking for an improved effort this week. I think the Raiders um, have got a little bit more confidence going their way, and... You know, when you look at this Cowboys forward pack, I mean, Tom Gilbert was outstanding for him last week, but guys like Nanai and Luki, it's a very young forward pack, and all this talk around Tamalolo and his leadership, and apparently he's got a rift with Payton, if you believe the rumours, but, you know, a lot of people said he's going to play big minutes and be a big difference maker this week. I don't think he was, and I think that that's something the Cowboys lacked. I think Tamalolo, he wasn't on the field for half the game. He needs to be out there, and he needs to be leading this young forward pack. He's the experienced head. He's the guy that those players look up to, so he needs to be out there for as long as possible and really be that inspiration for the rest of the Cowboys pack to kind of step up because guys like Dearden and Townsend, they're going to have a lot of pressure on them this year if their forward packs cannot get over the top early, and they, they did a decent enough job last week but they're versing the Bulldogs who are all over the place and, you know, they're still trying to gel. And I think that when you verse a better team and, and a real premiership contender, which I don't know if the Raiders are this season, but they could be in a world of trouble. And I'm really worried about the Cowboys season this year. I think they're going to get very few wins at the moment. And, um, you know, Payton's got to find a way to get these guys playing their best football and working for each other because they don't have the most talented squad in the NRL, but they have to play for each other, which they did on the weekend. But... You know, against the top teams, they need to really take advantage of the opportunities, which they did not do on Sunday night. And I think the Raiders are going to be too strong for them. I'm, I'm really liking um, some of these young kids coming through. And I think that one, it's it's his team now. And I think that he's making the most of it. I mean, Frawley's going to come in because Snyder's got COVID. But I think Frawley has done a decent job there in the past. And I think that the... Uh... <coughs> Excuse me. I think that the Raiders uh, forward back is really going to do a good job. Starling, um, I think he relished the opportunity to start, and I think that they actually looked a little bit better when Hodgson went onto the field. Unfortunately, he got injured, but I think overall that the Raiders are, are 
looking to really improve this season. I think that they're well on the way based on their round one performance. I've got the Raiders in this game by 12, but I think that the Cowboys are going to be up for the task in front of their home crowd. But uh, I just don't know if their execution is going to be there, and I don't know about their defense and their forward pack. Might not be able to aim up against this giant Canberra Raiders forward pack, which has been so established in the NRL for a number of seasons now. Sunday afternoon football kicks off at 4.05pm up there at McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle when the Newcastle Knights, who are coming off a huge round one win, host the West Tigers side that will find themselves unlucky to have lost against the Melbourne Storm last weekend. And the Knights, they were outstanding against the Roosters. It was a great performance to start their season. I don't think many people expected it. Their forward pack, guys like Frizzell and Kurt Mann, really stepped up and their harsh combination was better than I think anyone expected. Clifford had a great game. Clune controlled the game well, and it just allowed Ponga to play his natural game, and he looked dangerous every time he touched the wall. So plenty to like there from the Knights. Their two strike centers are really good as well, and Gagai at best. And, you know, pundits like me, I thought the Knights would be really low on the ladder this year. I had them finishing 14th, but they can improve on that, and they can be finals contenders this year if they play like they did last week throughout the entire year. I mean, the Roosters weren't great, the Knights started off the season really well, and it's going to be a tough matchup there at Newcastle this week because the West Tigers played with plenty of intent last Saturday night as well, and they really upset the Melbourne Storm, which you don't see often early in the game. And I know that Storm had their injury troubles, but they came back strong in the second half and ended up downing a uh, valiant Tigers team. I thought that Brooks was really good at halfback, his best game in a while. He had a pinpoint kick there to Mamalo that was a great try. I think Laurie had a good return game as well, and their forward pack, Stefano Utakamanu and uh, Tulaki really both played good, some of these young guys. Leilua had a pretty good game as well, so Jackson Hastings came in and did his job pretty well. I mean, he helped Brooks control the middle of the field and played his natural game, and I just feel like the Tigers are in for some improvement this year, and you know, I I had them 15th at the start of the year. I think they still might finish there. But the difference between this year and last year for the West Tigers is they're actually competing in matches based on that first round. And they have a big chance to compete and get a win this Sunday against the Knights team. They're going to have full of confidence in Newcastle. But I think the Tigers have a real opportunity to get an early win, which is going to be much needed for the club and take some of the heat off them. And, you know, there's no point... Um, no point having really good performances. You're going to lose every game. But I think the Tigers are really building. And I think that they're they're doing the hard work, which we didn't see much of last year. And I really like the style that they played their football last week. The Knights, um, as I mentioned, they, they had a good performance. They can't, you know, celebrate too much. They've got, you know, a, a huge season still ahead of them. And, um, you know, they've got to back it up week in and week out. And I just don't know if Newcastle are capable of that. I think that... They would be flying on a, on a big, you know, adrenaline and confidence rush after last week's match. They're going to start the game off really well, but I just hope they're up for the task for 80 minutes. Clemmer was another one last week that was really good for Newcastle. I mean, he played his best game in several seasons, if you ask me, and their defense was enormous, especially when they were down to 12 men for 10 minutes there in the second half, the, uh, the Knights. But they are... Uh, they had an impressive performance. A lot of people have them favorites this week, but I just, I'm really liking what I'm seeing for the Tigers. I think that they're going to be a team that can upset some other teams in this competition. And, um, you know, I don't think they're going to make finals this year, but I think that they're going to improve in terms of competing. And I think that they're going to be a, a team that's not easy for any other team to really dominate. And, you know, for the Tigers, that's all you want to see as Tigers fans. You just want to see improvement and then competing. It's going to take a while 
for even one of these teams to be heavyweight contenders again, the Knights and the Tigers. But you just got to like the effort that both are playing with and played with in round one. So hopefully that continues into round two. Hopefully it continues for the full year. But I actually think the Tigers in a little bit of upset in this game. I've got the Tigers by four points, but I think it's going to be a really good, entertaining game on Sunday afternoon. And I probably wouldn't have said that a week ago, but good start of the season for both teams. Let's hope they can continue that momentum. But I've got the Tigers in the upset by four points. And the final game of round two kicks off at Acor Stadium up there at 6.15 with two teams that are coming off round one victories when the Canterbury Bulldogs first the Brisbane Broncos. And wasn't it great to see both of these two teams get up last week? I mean, the Broncos have had such a tough couple of seasons and Kevin Walters has been under pressure since he's got there. And to see that they them get up without their star recruiting Adam Reynolds and have such a very promising uh, defensive performance and they were good with the football is impressive the Broncos last week and I mean they're going to take plenty of confidence out of it they got Adam Reynolds back on board this week Billy Walters goes back to the bench for him but their forward pack Payne Haas and Patrick Carrigan really led the rest of them uh, Kurt Capel proved that he's worth his money by just the maturity level by the rest of the forward pack has had he's just improved them tenfold just in the way that he trained since he's got there Capewell and he obviously kicked the uh the field goal to make it a seven point victory last weekend and really it's an impressive performance for the Broncos let's hope they can continue it selling Cobbo totally skills there out in the wing as well and um I think that some of these guys like Stag and and Kelly have plenty of improvement left in them but man they're competing in every play and that's what you'd like to see if you're a Broncos fan as I said it could be a long road to becoming heavyweights for some of these teams in this competition, but you just want to see improvement, and I've got the Broncos finishing 8th this season, and I think that round 1 was a solid improvement for the Brisbane Broncos, and this is a game that's going to be really winnable for them this week. They're versus the Canterbury Bulldogs team, where it wasn't a pretty win at all, but they ended up getting the job done. They were clunky in attack, but they showed some real commitment defensively, especially when they were down to 12 men with Jack Harrington getting sent to the sin bin. Um, they showed some fight. They ended up getting the job done. Of course, some things went their way near the end of the game, but while they were clunky with the football, um, they played for each other, which is what the Bulldogs have always been known for, the Dogs of War, the little grindy matches. And I think Trent Barrett, who's under a lot of pressure himself, will be thrilled to get an early season win. And, um, you know, they're just got to fine-tune some things to the Bulldogs. They need to work out what their strengths are with the football in hand. And Burden, they need to give him some more space to play his best football. I know he's got a lot of pressure on him, but... Um, you give him a chance to go, and I think he's going to still have a really good season. Avarillo needs to support him well in the game management department, and their forward pack needs to keep showing up for each other. And when you look at it on paper, Thompson, Vaughan, Heverington, Pengai Jr., Jackson, it's an intimidating big forward pack. They just need to make sure they don't get fatigued easily and let the, the better teams in this competition uh, score a lot of points quickly on them. Because let's be honest, the Cowboys, they're probably uh, bottom of the ladder dwellers for the year, if you ask me. So... Um, this is a bit more of a test for them this week against the Broncos team that, as I mentioned, have started the season fully with full confidence. One of these teams is going to be going two out of two to start their year, but um, for me, the Bulldogs have a lot of improvement ahead of them um, with the football in hand. I think, if anything, the Broncos just get strengthened by Adam Reynolds coming back into the team and, you know, good defensive performance. I think the Broncos can get their attack together in a bigger way this uh, this match and I think that the Broncos will be winning this one uh, by 10 points. I think it'll be an entertaining affair. I think there's going to be some more points on offer for both teams this week. But I just think that the Broncos, um, with that guidance of Reynolds there, Kurt Capewell, there to help the forward pack. And 
the big units of Huss and Carrigan are going to make all the difference, and I think the Broncos will be able to edge out the Bulldogs by 10 points on Sunday night. All right, so that is my round two preview, my footy tits for round two. Just to recap them on the uh, Thursday night, I've got Melbourne being way too strong for South Sydney. The Friday games, I've got the Panthers beating the Dragons and the Roosters bouncing back against the Manly Seagulls. Super Saturday, I've got Gold Coast being too strong for the Warriors. Parramatta winning a tight affair against the Cronulla Sharks and Canberra putting the sword to the Cowboys a little bit um, to end the Super Saturday. On the Sunday games, we've got the West Tigers in an upset against the Knights and the Brisbane Broncos being too good for the Canterbury Bulldogs and they're going to go 2-2 to start their season. That was my tips for week one. I actually think I got my best bets up last week, I haven't had a chance to go check him out. But if you're looking for a punt this week, I think the Tigers are good value at three bucks for the upset. And even if you don't like that, um, I, I wouldn't call it my bet of the week. But I think it could be some value. But my bet of the week, um, without a shadow of a doubt this week, I'm, I'm pretty confident it's going to get up, to be honest. And it's sad to say, because I am such a diehard South Sydney supporter, but the Melbourne Storm, they're $1.90 to win against the Rabbitohs by eight points or more. I think that's definitely happening. I think that there's no doubt um, that, you know, 7 and 0 to Hoodoo. I think that the Storm have got Munster and Green and the Bromwiches back this week. I think that they're going to be really strong. And I think that they're going to be able to get over the top of the CR Sydney forward pack. And when CS had the football, I'm not confident they can score any points against Melbourne's defence. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. But I think that the Storm minus 7.5 at $1.90 is absolute value. I suggest you take it. If you want a mouldy, I'd just I'll just bet on it by itself. But if you want a mouldy, I'd put that in with the uh, Panthers at a dollar twenty-eight to beat the Dragons. That gives you about two bucks. Then I'd put uh, Parramatta to beat the Sharks. That gets it to about three fifty. And then the Titans to win Gold Coast uh, to beat the Warriors. That gets you about five six bucks. So um, if you want a mouldy, I'd go the Panthers, the Eels, the Titans, and the Storm minus seven and a half this week. So those are. Steve's bets of the week, and we'll move over to Supercoach Talk now. I end up getting 986 to start the season, so I think I'm ranked about 10,000th. But Captain Tedesco, that was a poor choice. I said last week that everybody needs him in his team, and it just wasn't the Roosters' afternoon last Saturday. And I think everybody really suffered, whether you had Tommy Turbo in Supercoach or not last week. But, you know, I, I think that a lot of these guys are worth multiple chances. Cody Walker was another one that's really disappointing. He'll get better as the season progresses, but... My bias for round two is a guy that I've had since the start of the season. That's uh, Tyrell Sloan. I think he was enormous in that Dragons victory against the Warriors last Saturday. And if you look at his dual position, uh, he can play. You can get him both the centers and the fullback. Now, in three to four weeks, I think it's after round five, they changed the dual positions based on where they played this year. It's a new rule to super coach in 2022. And I don't think Tyrell Sloan will be an option in the centers anymore. I think he'll only be available at fullback. So those that jump on early and get him in the centers could have a advantage over the rest of the competition assuming his scores continue to flow and with two tries this last week I think a lot of times when the Dragons are scoring points he's going to be one of the guys involved and I think that he's going to have a lot of assists this year score a few himself I think he's in for a big season Sloan I think he's a good boy in round two for Supercoach my other boy um, would be probably just keep an eye out on Solon Cobo from the Broncos he only got 43 last week but he could have scored multiple tries. Um, things went against him, but I think at three ten, I think that with Reynolds back on board, I think he could score some points for him, and I think that um, he's worth keeping an eye on. Still on Cobo, so Cobo and Sloan for me this week in NRL Supercoach. I hope you guys have a good weekend this weekend with the footy. I hope you get some good tips right because I know a lot of people had a poor tipping week last week. I hope your Supercoach team gets fixed if you had a poor 
uh, Supercoach team. I hope your team gets a win. If, like mine, they suffer a round one loss. And um, I hope you guys enjoy it. Have some beers. Watch the footy. Have a good time. And I'll see you guys next time on Steve's NRL Footy Tips. Next time, round three, I might have a few guests in the show. So I'll see you next Tuesday afternoon. All the best. Enjoy your footy this weekend.